Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. Just before we started, I just I just wanted to just share, um, as many of you will know and was shared last week and you may have seen uh, online and received an email, um, yeah, as a family we received some really difficult news in the last couple of weeks, uh, which my wife Trudy um, received a, a breast cancer diagnosis, which is very challenging, uh, and we subsequently found that um, the cancer had actually spread. Um, so yeah, so it's been a, a tough tough couple of weeks and I just really wanted to just begin by thanking people. The response has been incredible. Uh, I'm trying not to cry here and uh, the prayer, the messages um, and the way that people have rallied around and meals and everything, um, I just wanted to, on behalf of our family, thank you all. And uh, Trudy would have loved to have been here. Um, she started treatment on Thursday. Um, which is a combination of chemotherapy and a particular and other kind of new treatment, um, and should be doing that for four and a half months. Um, so, uh, two invitations. Uh, invitation uh, one um, is to uh, pray for us, particularly pray that this, particularly this targeted drug, really responds. Uh, her body responds to this. Um, that's really really key. Um, so, if you could pray, particularly over the nine weeks, that, that her body responds to it, that would be fantastic. Um, and yeah, uh, pray for our family as well, particularly our kids who are here and um, just that really God sustains them during this time. Um, I've got another invitation, but I just would, I guess, like to sort of just put it in the context of, you know, uh, where we've been in this season. Uh, there was, I remember a Sunday um, uh, about two weeks before we locked down and uh, John McConnell, my friend, was here and uh, it was just this huge Sunday and it was just felt like this really momentum and it felt like we were, you know, powering forward. We just planted a, a th- our second morning service yeah, and it grown right. in within like six weeks. And, uh, and then I remember we went into lockdown and uh, we didn't know how long that would go for and we knew that it was going to be challenging. And as lockdown went on, I don't know if you've heard about that, there was a Melbourne lockdown, um, uh, <laughs> that as that just dragged on, it just, you know, you realise the leading, as, as Bethany actually shared, that was such a difficult time for so many uh, pastors and leaders um, to lead during that. And uh, I felt like God had an invitation for us, which was to trust him, uh, trust him when you couldn't gather your people, you couldn't rely on the things that you usually did, um, what it would look like when you reconvened, what it looked like when people who had been part of you moved back home to other states or overseas. And there's this really this journey of trust. And, uh, that, you know, as you know, that went for two years. Um, we came out of that and, and unfortunately late last year we entered into another really tough season, which I've not spoken about, but it was really tough um, and tough personally, tough for family and really the message I felt God was asking us to step into and trust him was uh, letting him be our defender. And uh, I was in London when I heard the news about Trudy and I'd done about 13 talks and I'm going to share some of the good news stories about what I learned overseas in a second um, but I'd been preaching in on my hero's pulpits, which was just such an honour for me to preach in Martin Lloyd-Jones, who wrote on revival and a lot of my heart for renewal comes from reading him. Uh, for the John Stott Foundation, who's another one of my hero, uh, this may not be exciting to you, but it is to me. Um, and you know, just this really historic church in London, and I just had this real sense that those two seasons were over. And I had this real 
excitement as we sang the last worship song. I walked outside and met these people who'd been listening to some of our Rebuilders uh, podcasts that we do here in Red, and it impacted them, and they're working in just like really fascinating places uh, in government and stuff like that. And um, I then sort of walked 10 minutes to the station and got to St. James uh, Park tube station and received the news from Trudy. And um, the British trains are really like on time. So they're like normally like they give you to the minute when they're going to like arrive. And as Trudy was telling me, I could see my train was coming and it was like one minute. So she basically passed the news on to me and then I jumped on the train and had to do the entire uh, loop of the London Underground with no reception, just having heard this news. And it just felt sort of emblematic as I went deep into the earth and you felt very far from home, very, very dark. And, um, but in the, in the, on that trip, I just really felt this sense that God was still with us. And the invitation for us as a family is to continue walking with God, but also walking in the mission that he's given us. One of the things that has always warmed my heart is that, uh, and this is the second invitation, uh, often people have said to me that they've spotted Trudy uh, early in the morning, um, often um, sometimes like at the corner of uh, Canterbury Road and Blackburn Road as people are driving to work. And uh, Trudy's there often in an active way, actively worshipping with their hands in the air. And, uh, I think that just embodies something about Trudy. And people have told me at different times how they may be driving somewhere and then seeing Trudy worshipping, how it's just inspired them. Um, Trudy would love to be here today. She's not well enough to be here today. And I would love it if she could get to church in the next four months during this treatment. But when Trudy is here, she, she gives it all to worship and she embodies a leading and a call that she her heart is for renewal. So our call is that we are still pushing into God in this season. Trudy said to me when she received this news, whatever happens, and we're posturing for hope, but whatever happens, uh, she wants to glorify God through her life. And secondly, she wants to keep pressing into the mission that God has to renew this church. As many of you will know, she took the role, national director role for 24-7 prayer. So heart is still for prayer. And what I've seen in the last week um, is a movement of prayer around the world begin uh, for Trudy. Uh, I put up a post on Instagram and just incredible the response and hearing from churches. We don't even know them who are fasting, are gathering their elders to pray for us. It's happening all across the world. I've had videos from other countries of people sending, of churches gathering and contending and praying for Trudy and for me and our family and for Red. Um, and it's just been incredible. People I didn't even know knew we existed, like sending these messages, and it's been so humbling. So my second invitation is to follow Trudy's lead, to worship and contend and cry for God. And to make that our posture, other churches are standing in the breach. I invite you to stand in the breach for us as well during this time. It's going to not be a sprint. It's going to be a marathon. And uh, there's an invitation in that. So that's our invitation at this moment. Um, you're going to introduce this series. Yeah. It's funny. I, I equally was just thinking about it while you are talking. One of my favourite things about Trudy is when um, we're having a tough time at work or there's something going on, she's always the one to like, just before she leaves the room, be like, but don't worry, God's got it. Like her faith is so strong in adversity. And so, um, yeah, really encouraged by that and thankful for her presence. But I think it is time as a church that we follow her lead in that. And um, that's what we want to talk about. We want to explore that. Um, and let's be real, God keeps interrupting our services. So we probably should pay attention to that. Um, and that's what we'd like to do. God, what do you want to do in this place? You know, we had a global pandemic to shake things up. 
it would be silly to go back to just the way things were um, and to sit in some sort of weird comfort, obscurity of like, oh, yeah, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. But God's like, hey, nah, come on. I've got your attention. I want to do something. Will you believe in me and will you seek it out? Um, so we talk about renewal a lot. We explore it. But we thought it would be good to just stop and actually go, what, well, what is it? And what is God doing to hear globally? Looking forward to hearing you share more. We've already got to hear some of it in the office, but just what, what God's up to. It's not just here at Red Church. It's happening in other parts of the world. But how do we here at Red Church respond to what God wants to do in Melbourne? And there are particular things that he wants to do here that is unique because he's made us in a particular way in Australia. But equally, there are things in our culture that we're going to have to walk in the opposite direction. Because our culture wants to pull us in one direction, whereas God's like, no, I've made you for this way. And so renewal is exploring that individually. What is he doing? What is he drawing out in us? What does he want to restore? What does he want to fire up in us? Um, and so we thought, why not spend some time in the next five weeks looking at renewal, describing it, sitting with it, but not just remaining here going, how do we actually posture ourselves towards it? Um, knowing that historically God has done this with his church time and time again, and it's our turn as the generation of people, of followers of God, to respond to him. And so let's get practical in the next five weeks as well. We're going to talk about ways we can do that. Um, and do you know what? Some of these things are not going to be brand new to you, but some of them are required or are, we feel prompted to step into again as a church family. There's power in doing things in unity. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're headed. It's a general overview. But obviously it will make more sense in the next five weeks as you come along and hear more. Um, but, yeah, why don't you share? There was a bit of imagery around this and something that God's been stirring that's really kind of caught the vision for this series. Well, we've called this series Wells. And part of the reason for that is uh, Britt and I were talking on just this week, mm. this image of Wells that has come up for me. And uh, as a number of you who were here uh, prayed for me before I went off to the UK, I had probably the most people I'd ever spoken to in a room. I'll show you a picture of that because it was, it was a bit insane. Um, uh, and I just felt God wanted me to bring a message. So when I landed in London, I just walked around for the first day and just prayed, like, what are you saying at this moment, God? And I found myself in a um, uh, church that I, that I visited once before. And I noticed people would go here. It's in the city of London and uh, near the financial district and people often just sit and pray in there. So I went to this church it's called Stephen Walbrook's church. It's considered a classic. We've got a picture of it there somewhere, um, maybe uh, coming up. So it was a church building and just really beautiful. It's in the round. It's considered a classic. And I just sat there and I opened the scriptures and a verse popped out for me. It's from um, Isaiah 12, uh, I think it's around verse 4, where it talks about God with these wells which, from which we draw joy of salvation. And I just instantly was captured by this image of wells. And I sat there. And it was interesting. I then began to just look at this church. You can see the, the you can actually see the dome in the roof. It's just considered a masterpiece by Christopher Wren, um, the architect. And uh, underneath that incredible dome, if you dig deep enough, I discovered as I Googled the history of this church that this church like many other churches in London, some of which are over a 1,000 years old, are actually built on top of ancient sites of worship that early Christians, like this is Roman times, would actually gather around these wells, these healing wells, where people would be baptised, where people would come for healing, where churches would meet, where there was water, there was life. 
And it just created this image in my head of this idea that underneath churches are sometimes hidden, sometimes forgotten, sometimes neglected wells. Now, biblically, wells have this incredible imagery. Often we see people meeting people at wells. And wells also speak of water. Water is a symbol of the Spirit. Water is a symbol of life. So this concept that renewal is actually rediscovering that which is hidden, sometimes underneath our feet. I went for a little walk and I came across a building which I prayed at before, which was actually Australia House. Australia House is our embassy, if you like, High Commission in London. And uh, it's actually where the bank scene in Harry Potter was filmed. There's a, a strange uh, piece of pop culture trivia for you. Gringotts. Um, the Gringotts. Gringotts. Big, big Gringotts fan. Yes. Um, Love and, Harry uh, Potter. Uh, what, I, what I realized was, uh, you know, as I was, I was looking at the history of this building, I actually looked up and I discovered that recently, like 10 years ago, I think it was, that the Australian consulate staff found underneath Australia House in London a well, a Christian site of worship under Australia House. It's back to another memory I'd had that when I went to speak in Sydney uh, a few months ago, I'd been in a building, the city, Sydney City Wesley Mission. I was at a conference there and the person who is, uh, Stu Cameron, who's like the minister at that church, told me that actually there was a revival or a renewal that happened in that church in the 19th century where that building was given by a wealthy businessman for a church. They were trying to find a pastor for that place. No pastor wanted to go there. This guy who actually was given the role by the Methodist church got a fake sick note to actually say why he should not go there. Um, so I didn't believe it. So he got the job. Great start to ministry. Um, and he just gathered people to pray on Sunday nights. At 7 p.m. they prayed, I think it was, and hundreds of people prayed, and eventually God's power broke out in this really powerful way, and there was this move of God in the centre of Sydney. Stu Cameron told me that underneath that building runs a stream of water that the Gadigal people in Sydney actually used to gather around in the the very early parts of of human uh, uh, community in Melbourne actually lies, uh, sorry, in Sydney lies under that church. And so this imagery, I I caught up with another friend in London uh, and he actually had a little map of where the different wells were and that many of the churches, one is actually near the church where he meets. So the overwhelming idea of this series is that underneath churches, whether you literally have a spring of water or a well or not, that underneath our nation, that underneath your life, personally, there is wells which maybe you have not accessed. The Holy Spirit is there, available, and what renewal is, is digging deeper into that. And very much, this is also a sense that I felt on this trip for the world. So I spoke at the Leadership Conference, which is run by HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton in London, who are behind the Alpha. And it's probably one of the few conferences where people come from all over the world to gather. It was held at the Royal Albert Hall, this iconic building in in London. Uh, I spoke there. I asked you to pray for me because it was a big room. That's the room. Uh, I am on stage. You probably cannot see me with the naked eye. Uh, But it was almost like 6,500 people from all over the world. And what was really interesting was I've been to bigger conferences before and perhaps I've not spoken to a crowd that big, but the sense that I got from everyone, people who I met for the first time, friends who I've not spoken about, uh, sorry, not spoken with since the pandemic, 
talking to people from Canada, talking to people from Malaysia, talking to people from all over the world, from Europe, from Finland, all these different places is an overwhelming sense that everyone has that God broke a pattern, we can't go back to normal, that the age of just having the superstar speakers, I spoke after uh, the other speakers was a lady who had started a church in a toilet in a North Korean prison. Before that, I think, was the Bishop of South Sudan who planted churches in the midst of a conflict. And that this age of just getting the superstar celebrity preacher of just platforms was actually gone. There's this overwhelming sense that the global church was being drawn into something new. And there's a sense that God was on the move. That night, uh, and we've spoken about this before, they had a group of young people from the Asbury outpouring at Asbury College in Kentucky. Uh, I'll put up the next picture. I got a chance to hang out with them and pray with them and speak to them. In this picture, there's a combination of people who are part of that Asbury outpouring and also some other pastors in London who also are pressing into similar things. And it's not just about Asbury. This is happening all over the world. Like what we're doing with our renewal sessions, there are people doing forms of that all over the world. And part of what this conference was was everyone realizing that other people are having similar drawings to God doing something. For those of you at the renewal sessions a couple of weeks ago, we heard from David Thomas who preached a, a sermon on contending uh, prayer or a travailing prayer. That's actually him in the blue shirt and chino pants uh, just there. So it was just great to sit with these guys, to hear the stories of what God is doing amongst them and to talk about what God's doing with us. And there's a genuine sense of, of excitement, but also that it's new, it's different, it's quieter, it's younger that God has a heart for emerging generations and he wants to do something new, but it's very holy, it's very humble. And it's not just like superstars, it's ordinary people pressing into this, students, people on administrative staff, people who you don't expect are being drawn into something that God is doing. And there's a real holiness to it. There's a consecration, there's a repentance. Uh, one of the pastors in that picture is actually from the UK, flew to the Asbury outpouring. He got there, he'd made this epic journey, got his rental car, and, and got to the hall and was like ready to run in there because he wanted to just be there. And as he approached the hall, he felt this tremendous sense that he had to get his heart right before God. It was almost like the fear of God came over him. And I think he said he went back to his car and for five hours repented before he could enter into the hall. So there's something happening in the world. And what we want to do is we want to just take this from a theoretical thing that we're talking about into actually something that is, is, is much more practical because I think part of the thing with Red is you've got people come to Red who have not been to church before. They've come to Red, all different backgrounds, people from Catholic churches, all stripes of Anglican churches, Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, Uniting churches, you name it, all different types of churches. And often when we use these words like revival, awakening, renewal, we're not all on the same page. Those words may be exciting. They may be just completely foreign. They may be a little bit scary. They may be programmatic. They may be something you've heard about in the past. Uh, perhaps something you pushed for and you didn't feel that it happened or your parents spoke about or whatever. And what we want to do in this series is really get on the same page and, I guess, articulate what this could look like uh, if God wanted to move amongst us. There are wells underneath our church, our country. God is pulling them up in the world and underneath your life. Yeah. So we also want to look at what are the ways – I'm going to try this phrase, it might not work – to be well diggers – yeah, we with me? We okay with it? Mixed. I've said I love it now. It. You love it? Yeah. Great. I'm cheering you on. Yes. Um, but genuinely, how do we <laughs> how do we dig wells to to seek God's um, life? 
his life-giving water. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all of those who are thirsty. Um, and so what's a practical way to actually go, how do I seek you in a new way, God? How do I dig a well? How do I find that source? Um, because it's a partnership. It's outrageous. God chose us to share his truth. God chose us to speak about who he is and he loves to partner with us even though we continually let him down. He still loves us enough. And so in this moment, he's saying, come and seek me. And we're going to talk in the coming weeks about how do we practically do that? How do we start digging to find that water and believe and trust that it is there? And I think something that's really important as we sit with this, we're really good at putting things in context in our own lives, which in reality are quite short. But actually what we're talking about here is we are a particular generation of God's people and that means no matter what age you are, you're people of God. That's what I mean by that word in the generation. And actually what we're participating in is greater than just your life. You're digging wells so that people will come and sit by them and know Jesus, maybe in years to come. What you're participating in is longer term, but it's significant. And God's coming closer and he's saying, will you dig with me? Will you allow my life to come out in Melbourne and in your life? And it's an investment. It's something longer and it's going to require something of us that perhaps we haven't explored before. God hasn't changed. But the way that we seek him, there's a, there's a new invitation we believe in that. So we want to be practical and be like, okay, if that's true, how do I become a well digger? How do I step into that in my faith? Um, how do I do that at church with others? How do I do that at home? with my children, with my friends, with my family, with those that don't know Jesus. Um, so we're going to get practical in the next five weeks as well. And even just um, – I don't like the word challenge, but that idea of – Can I challenge you about that? Oh, please. <laughs> um, lost my thought. No. Um, doing things together, there's camaraderie and power in uniting with people. Even as Liddy shared, she's sharing, uh, reading a book with someone else. Like just that little act of, hey, I'm going to learn how to be a well digger. Why don't you join me? Why don't we give this a go? Why don't we actually pursue God together? And there's power when we do that um, united. So we want to talk about what we're going to start and the first one this week, but I just want to set this up. Mm. So when I was in London, I had someone come up to me and he was from Africa and he said something interesting. He said, Mark, help me understand this or words to that effect of uh, in Africa we see stuff like Asbury has been happening for some time. Like you're getting excited about this where we're highlighting this and he realised that for the secular Western world this was really important. And he's like, you know, how do I sort of as an African who's had experience of this sort of then talk to all you different people in the West when in a sense this has been normative of often what we've experienced. And there's a great quote, uh, uh, Britt is reading a book at the moment, who, uh, someone who I know wrote, um, James Chong, and uh, with his friend Ryan, Ryan Pfeiffer, wrote a book about renewal, and they make this really interesting point, that often what we think about is that the way that the church is is different in the West, and places like Africa or parts of Asia or South America which have experienced this stuff, um, they're just a different context. But he makes a really important note, and this captured our imagination. We'd just like to share what he says about the difference between what happens in Korea and often oh, the worst way he saw. Oh, yeah, right? that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> just remembering um, that the – oh, sorry, I'm retrieving it from my mind. Apologies. I can retrieve it for you. I think <laughs> you might have to. I can't quite get it. It's there. Tell me if I got this right. Yeah. Um, what, what James says is – it's not that the church in the West is any different. It's actually that 
what so he I think his background's Korean American, so he yes. grew up and and so his parents and grandparents go through revivals that happen in Korea. And he said it's not that the church is any different, it's just that the Christians in Korea are more devoted. Yeah. And we felt that was really challenging. I know you don't like that word, but I'm going to keep challenging you. <laughs> that there was this sense that there was something to push in. And there's very much this sense that in our context, particularly in Melbourne, that often we can drift towards just sort of stepping back, holding things a little bit as a distance. Mm. But very much we wanted to talk about the first practical thing is that if you see a church go through renewal, you will see an intensification of devotion. Yeah. An intensification of devotion. And can I just put you in a really raw thing for me at the moment? In the midst of suffering, God has wells, even for me. On this journey that I'm going through, I'm learning things. And one thing that I'm learning is I knew theoretically what the word cherish meant, but I'm living that now with my wife. So when Trudy got this diagnosis, I realized that all the love I have for her uh, is like differently manifested now that when I look at her and the fragility of life that I realize like I'm cherishing I'm just cherishing talking to her when my mind might have been on something else and I was distracted and I was thinking about other things but every time I talk to her when I look at her when I see her heart when I see her faith when I see all these different things there's this sense where at the moment where after we got this diagnosis I learned to I'm learning now to cherish my wife and really what that is is devotion it's a deepening devotion that I've been invited into in this moment. So when renewal comes, we are actually invited into a deepening devotion. And the question that I've then had in my head is, Jesus, has there been times in the same way that I've forgotten, perhaps put you aside, perhaps taking things for granted, just got into a routine, and I've not actually cherished you, Jesus? So my prayer in the midst of this, the well that I'm digging deep down into to discover is, I want to cherish Trudy during this time, but also it's an invitation to cherish God. No matter what's happening in the physical, I want to cherish God in the midst of that. So that's a good definition, I think, of, of mm. us understanding what devotion is. Yeah, definitely. Should we go through some of the five practicals? Points? Yeah. Yes. So if you write in notes, uh, we're going to come up with five things for you. So how do you practically do this? How do we move this from just something theoretical? Um, and uh, if you're typing notes into your phone, which every single one of you has, the days of excuse are, are just gone now. Uh, <laughs> let none of us say we've got nothing to write anything down. Uh, the first thing is a posture, change, a posture change. So deepening devotion looks when there is a posture change in our lives. When we recenter our lives, not around the overwhelming idol and ideology of our age, which is that life is about your desires, what you desire, what you want, and that is the center point of creation and the universe. When we stop doing that, because we can do church. We can do church, we can do worship, we can do discipleship groups, we can do everything and put it around our desires. But when the deepening devotion happens, when God is a renewing a people, a person, a nation, is that we recenter our lives around his desires, not mine. For many years, and I'm ashamed to say this, for many years I did not have a great posture around worship. I didn't like the music. I was a music snob. I had 20-something arrogance dripping through my body. I had a critique of how we do worship. I could tell you 27 different reasons why it was problematic. 
And God really challenged my heart. Challenge is good, Brett. It changes you. And, and I felt my heart challenged that I, it's not whether you're here, Mark. Yes, there could be 27 different ways you can worship. Yes, we're called to worship with the whole of our lives, not just music. And I put down my critique and I just stepped into God. I want to offer this to you. And God has since opened up this heart of worship. There have been many times in the last season of difficulty when I've gone to the prayer room and God has powerfully ministered to me through worship. And I've just worshipped by myself. And the deepening devotion that God called me into was because I changed my posture from my desires, my opinions, what I want, my self-consciousness to actually the fact that I'm in the presence of God, worshipping him and our worshipping of him is an offering. I was like, I can bring that to church, that attitude to church. So I think that the starting point is a posture change. You'll start yeah. to see that change. The Holy Spirit changed that in you. Yeah. Second one. Mark's touched on this a little bit, um, but looking at deepening devotion. Um, do you know, I've been – God keeps placing people from around, around the world around me just in my life. I keep having conversations and just hanging out with people. Um, like international, different people, which I absolutely love. I think it's super fun. But it always confronts you with your own culture, right? Because you're kind of finding yourself explaining things. To be like, why do we do that? Anyway, something that's been a bit of a common theme is a few people have said back to me, oh, I really like that phrase or I've really noticed that phrase that Australians say of, oh, it is what it is, you know? And um, I was like, I felt very mixed by having that highlighted because I was like, I'm not proud of that. Because it's not great, is it? It's so, so <laughs> passive. She'll be right. She'll be right. right. Eh, it is what it is. Oh, well. You know, like, no. Actually, I don't think that's how we're meant to live out faith. It's not just like, oh, God, well, it is what it is. I haven't seen anyone come to Jesus in a while, but well, it is what it is. No, that's actually not what we're designed to do. And so or what we're, that's not meant to be what people notice of our culture. What would it be to be actually quite vibrant and to pursue God? It's something that will require a change in us. It's a cultural thing that we sit under, but actually we're not designed to follow the culture. We're designed to follow God's way in his kingdom way, and that is pursue me, seek it, and cry out for a change. That's part of what renewal is. It's not just this faithfulness. In the se- Faithfulness is important in just the humdrum of keep coming to church and just kind of I'll just be faithful and I'll be strong and it'll be enough. No, actually faith and hope come together and renewal is hoping that God will come and bring and make that change and not saying oh it is what it is being like no God I know that there is more and I want to pray for that and I want to posture my life to believe in that and I want to speak that out so that when people arrive in this country they actually see faith and hope not a complacency in the church and so there's an invitation in going deeper in our devotion to God. And also, let's be honest, devotion, it's not a sexy thing. It's not this thing that we're like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited. Devotion looks like getting up earlier in the morning to spend time with God. 11 o'clock, I love you guys, but it looks like turning up on time to worship because you want to be here and devote your time and honour God. It looks like humming and singing in worship when you don't feel like it. God moving isn't based on our emotions and our ability to conjure a certain feeling or, or posture. Actually, it's coming and just being like, God, I'm going to declare who you are no matter what's going on and I believe you will turn up because he is good and he wants to. I say this to myself as much as I say it to you. That he's asking for a greater devotion.
Devotion comes out of love. When you love someone, you're willing to get up early for them. You're willing to give them all your attention, as Mark spoke about with Trudy, that kind of being revived. Where is that in us in Australia? Where is that passion and that devotion? It's time to go deeper with him. It's time to let that be awakened as a church and as a people. It's very challenging, Brent. It is very challenging. I'm embracing it. So to step into that is to step into pursuing God with intention. This is not just going to happen without intention. You have to make a decision. When God brings renewal or awakening, there's an element where it's the sovereignty of God. We can't choose where God moves, how he moves, the power he moves with, but we can prepare ourselves. So renewal is this combination of God's sovereignty and also preparing ourselves. And so part of this is pursuing with intention. As Bridget said, there is this Australian fatalism. It's real that we just sort of accept the way things are. And when you accept the way things are, you often will drift into stagnation. You'll drift into spiritual just plateauing. And so in a sense, to do this in Australia means we're going to have to actually go against our culture. We don't like to put our heads above the parapet. We don't be like the first one who moves. We don't be like the one who gains attention to ourselves. And there's some beautiful things about that. I think Australia is one of the least likely countries in the world to have a dictator. But also, this can actually keep us frozen in place. So we have to make conscious decisions. We have to say, I need to push into renewal. And when people do that together, there's an infectious dynamic where a people doing that together is caught. But that culture has to be built. We have to be well builders and we have to be building a culture of being well builders. And I think most people here do. My sense is like 80, 90% of people in the room want to push in, want to go deeper. We've seen that at renewal sessions. People come to renewal sessions and God's starting to open up something. But I think it is that sense of every one of us needs to make an individual decision. I'm going to push forward. This is not running around more. This is not being a headless chicken. This is not after a season of exhaustion doing more and more and earning something with God. But it is a conscious decision to say, I want to pursue him just because he has pursued me. This is the prodigal son running to the father who's running to him. Yeah, that's good. Fourth one. Do what you are doing with greater devotion. As we have sat with this, as Mark and I were chatting this week and kind of just reflecting on what God's been doing, Holy Spirit brought to mind a passage from Isaiah. It's Isaiah 55. Um, And there's, you know, different sections in this beautiful passage. But what stood out when I turned to it was um, the first line is, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And after sitting with that imagery of wells, I was like, oh, it's time to come back. For some of us, that is truly coming back to Jesus. And for others of us, as Mark has shared, it's maybe digging into a well or into the source of water or the refreshment that you've actually never even encountered before, but is there. And the second section of this chapter that um, Holy Spirit pointed out was verses 6 to 9, which I'll read for you. In light of what God's doing at the moment, this is it landed in a new way as we're seeing him move globally as he's interrupting our services. This is what came to mind. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. He's near. He keeps interrupting. And he's saying to us, will you seek me? There's an action that we have. He's coming closer and it, as we've shared, when God brings renewal and revival, when he does an outpouring, that's his sovereignty, his choice. He does it throughout history. You can kind of see patterns, but we can't predict it. We can't manipulate him to do it. But when he does come close, why wouldn't we pursue that? Why wouldn't we come towards it? Why wouldn't we seek it? And I think the other thing with this passage, which reminded me of that line of my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. How he comes, when he comes, what he'll do is up to him. But will we seek him and let him do that? That's the invitation he has for us. And so with what we're doing, it's not a change in your relationship with God necessarily, but it's doing it with greater devotion, coming to him with that understanding of God, I actually want to seek you in a new way. And I want to be open to you in a new way. I think there's a there's some of us, and I, I say this of myself, there are parts of me that I'm afraid to hope for in my life because it feels dangerous or because I feel like I have disappointment there. But God's saying, no, let me in there because I want to change that desire and transform it and breathe life onto it and bring my water of life to renew it because he is seeking a people that will desire him and stand for that and speak that out and proclaim it. That's what happens renewal. Renewal happens in you. All renewals, when you trace them back, it happens in different people. It was people that were like, okay, I actually don't know how to believe in this and I need to lay down my disappointment and open up myself to again God and say, I believe you are who you are and you're going to answer that. And how you answer it's up to you, but I dare to believe and put my faith in that. And so what does it look like to do what you're doing with greater devotion? One final thing on this. I, when some of the stuff was happening in Asbury, I felt mixed about it, which I've shared before. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to push into that. I want to read about it. I want to listen to like testimony around it. And so I f- was doing that. And I found this video that sh- um, someone shared who was a professor at Asbury. And he um, decided to send out an email to a bunch of people on campus because essentially what had happened in the chapel in that service had continued on. So it was meant to just be like a one-hour service and it was still going. And so he was like, well, I need to notify people that this is happening because some of our classes won't go on and people need to know. And so he sent out an email to a bunch of people on campus to be like, just so you know, the chapel that was meant to be at this time is now continued on and they're still praying and God's, you know, there's an outpouring and kind of just sends it off. He happens to be across the way from the actual chapel on the campus and so he leaves that building and he's astonished because what he sees is all these kids running from different areas of the campus to the chapel. They are sprinting and running up the stairs to get in. When was the last time you did that with Jesus? You ran to him because you're like, I just want to be in your presence. That is all that I want and all that I need and I want to fall at your feet and I want to come to you knowing that you will be there. Chris reminded me of another passage in Jeremiah. It's worth sharing this. It's 29, 12 to 13. 
And it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. He wants to be found. Will we run to him? Last one, number five. Pick up something new or pick up some new things. Two sayings. One, what got you here won't get you there. And secondly, the definition of insanity is doing the same things and expecting different results. So when renewal happens, God will invite us into new things. Again, this is not loading up with overwhelming things that need to be put into your diary, but actually God will invite you perhaps into prayer when you've never been invited into prayer before, perhaps that sense of coming to the prayer room, putting an hour in there. If you've not been to renewal sessions, come into renewal sessions. If you've never shared your faith and you've been afraid with sharing it with someone and you're in an Uber sharing it with the driver, just taking steps forward, God responds to these kinds of steps in new ways. We're invited into a season of radical, hilarious generosity. Perhaps that's that invitation. Because God is a God of new creation. If you want a theology of what renewal is, theology is new creation breaking out and God continually wants new creation to break out. God is in the business of new creation breaking out. So pray, ask, what are some new things that you want to do? So our prayer, our hope in articulating this, we're going to articulate it more over the coming weeks, is that in five weeks we will see a very clear change in our devotion. Can't really come up with a measurement for it. We can't really say, you know, it's going to look exactly like this in terms of a number. But often you get this palpable sense that people are pushing in, the way that they worship, the way that they pray, the way they respond, the way that they love each other, the way that they consecrate themselves, the way that they make things right that have been not right. Because I think there's a season and we have to respond to it. And God's waiting. He's like a bird on the currents waiting to come and nest amongst us. So what I'd love to do now is I'd love to pray. I'd love for the Holy Spirit to come now. We don't have to do this with any hype. We can actually do this in the quietness now. Let's stand together. Pray, come Holy Spirit. We stand together acknowledging that in this moment there are wells underneath our feet. They may not be literal wells, but there is living water under our feet and you're inviting us to be well diggers in our personal lives, in our plenty, in our lack In the good times, in the times of grief, there are wells underneath our feet. There's a well underneath Red Church of your spirit that you're wanting to pour forth. There's a well under every person's feet in this room, a greater depth and intimacy with you, a sense of being drawn into your presence. So we just pray, come Holy Spirit now. And just in this moment, we just invite you to bring to attention in our spirit as your spirit communes with our spirit of the ways in which you want us to push forward in this next season.
We pray against strongholds which may hold us back of perhaps passivity, the should be right thing, fatalism, of what is is always going to be. Comfort. Self-consciousness. Sins that are holding us back. A hurt. Disappointment. We bring all these to you, Jesus, and we lay them down at your feet. God, we desperately want a new thing. We want new creation. We want you to move and transform our lives, transform our church, transform our nation. I just want to echo Bethany's words that you want to move because there's people you want to send, that this is a world that is at a point where the idols are falling and people are discouraged by the things of this world and they're looking for bigger stories. They're looking. There is an opportunity this moment in the world and we want to respond to that. God, if we're asking the question of how does this relate to me, I'm just a student or a parent or a busy person or perhaps I don't have a job or whatever our individual life circumstances, God, show us a vision of how you can renew our lives where we are. Thank you.